This is Theory of Change. I'm Matthew Sheffield. Thanks for being here. We've got a great program for you today. Before we get started, I wanted to remind everybody that Theory of Change is part of the Flux Media Network. So go to flux.community for more articles and podcasts about politics, religion, media, and technology, and how they all intersect, and also the larger trends within each of these fields of human activity. And if you like what we're doing here, I would please encourage you to share the show with your friends and family. Let other people know about it. Give them your favorite episode. And maybe it's this one, or maybe it's another one. Who knows? Just have them go to theoryofchange.show and You can also become a paid subscriber to get full access to video, audio, and transcript of every episode. So please do check that out. All right, so with that little plug out of the way, let us get into today's program. Today's program is going to be the first in a series of in-depth explorations about the politics of different states in the United States. how unfortunately right-wing extremism is becoming more common in many states in America. And the first one we're going to be talking about today is Idaho. Idaho is one of America's most beautiful states with amazing mountains and lakes, lush forests and gorgeous fields and plains. Unfortunately, it is also home to many of America's most insane people as well. And there is a lot of history and unfortunately a lot of contemporary action going on with that regard. And so today we're pleased to be joined by Marty Kelly. He is a senior editor with the Wonkette Humor blog. And he's also a very long-term resident of Idaho since 2001. So welcome to Theory of Change, Marty. Good to be here. All right, great. So Idaho obviously has a very long history and we'll get into that, but let's maybe start off with, I think it's fair to say that Idaho kind of has sort of three basic political divisions, uh, political regions. The northern part tends to be extremely radical and filled with white nationalists and all assorted religious extremists as well. The central part of Idaho, which is kind of the Sun Valley area, which includes Boise, which is where you live, and uh, other areas around there. That is basically the area I'm calling the business and Berkeley section of Idaho, (laughs) where all the money's made and where all the godless commies like yourself live. And then in the southeast part of Idaho, that is the heavily Mormon region of the state. And there's, when we'll get into that, but Mormonism in Idaho also has some very interesting divisions of its own. So you moved to Idaho in 2001 after getting a PhD in rhetoric and composition uh, at University of Arizona. So what brought you to Idaho? Well, my uh, now ex got a job at uh, Boise State uh, University, where she is uh, still teaching and uh, tenured and uh, doing amazing things with uh, ESL composition and writing. And I've stayed because we have a kid together who's now 26, and I can't believe that that happened. And since about 2012, I've been writing for the political humor blog, Wonkat, my dream job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I can do that anywhere, uh, and Boise's a good, affordable place to stay. Yeah, it certainly is uh, definitely a lot uh, cheaper than many parts of the country, for sure. And, you know, all kinds of great outdoor activities, as I was mentioning. Mm-hmm. Boise itself also is actually a pretty nice place to be. I have to say to anybody who hasn't checked it out, you should 
definitely put it on your bucket list. I like it. Yeah. So, but now you're, uh, you were not born in the region, but for you were born nearby in uh, Washington, right? That's uh, in Oregon. Yeah. In or- and it should be noted in recent past couple of years, Idaho has unfortunately gotten some attention for a lot of different right wing extremist stuff, oh, yes. especially with different people trying to move in and ban books and et cetera. But there's unfortunately a longer history than that. Mm. And I mean, I guess probably, you know, probably the, the at least it, we'll, we'll start with the 20th century, I guess, kind of the most famous Idaho right-wing extremist was Ezra Taft Benson, who was a native son from Rexburg, I believe. And he was the, rose to become the agriculture secretary of Dwight Eisenhower mm-hmm. and then was a big conduit for people into the John Birch Society. And and also was a big publicizer of another guy. Now, he was Cleon Skousen. I believe he was from Utah. But, you know, they were both part of this fringe sect of, you know, extremely right-wing Mormons. And those people have always had a home in, unfortunately, all parts of Idaho, but <laughs> particularly in the, in the southeast. But, you know, as we kind of move toward more times when people watching or listening or have been alive, because I believe Benson was born in 1899, if I remember Mm. right. So needless to say, that was a while ago. But more contemporaneously, Idaho became the focus of national attention in 1992 with Randy Weaver. Tell us about who Randy Weaver was. Well, Randy Weaver was a very extreme survivalist right-wing fellow who showed up from time to time at the Aryan Nations compound in uh, northern Idaho. And uh, thank goodness, they eventually got shut down in a lawsuit with the SPLC. But in 92, Weaver was, I think the feds were trying to arrest him on charges of selling a sawed-off shotgun illegally. And there was the siege at Ruby Ridge. And during that, his wife and son were killed. Um, You can go to the Idaho State Historical Society, and at their museum, they have the front door with the bullet hole in the glass, which is something to see. And then, of course, after that siege was over, he the charges fell apart and it became a rallying point for the entire right wing led to the Waco occupation and siege. And then that led to Timothy McVeigh. Then shortly after we had Idaho Congresswoman Helen Chenoweth, who was already very, very popular with the militia folks and supporting them, who said that Oklahoma City was was the wrong thing to do, but it was certainly understandable. And that was kind of the end of her career, thank goodness. You can still see cars around Boise with bumper stickers that say, can Helen not salmon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess she kind of has a, a spiritual successor nowadays in Janice McGeehan. Tell us about who, who she is. She uh, there's is, a lot of stories. Oh, <laughs> she has lots of spiritual successors now. Janice McGeehan was the lieutenant governor of Idaho when Butch Otter was governor. And the two in Idaho, the lieutenant governor and governor are elected separately. And so they are not a ticket. So she was constantly trying to do weird right-wing things whenever he would leave the state. 
<laughs> and at one point during the COVID emergency, he went to a conference somewhere while she was acting governor for a day. She tried to rescind all COVID measures, all mask mandates. And it was, she, she got a talking to when he came back. And then she did it again the next time he was out of the state. Yeah. And she also became famous for her campaign ads featuring flags and Bibles and, and right. guns. Right. She was and, in a notorious video sponsored by the Idaho Freedom Foundation, which we'll mention again soon, where they sang a little, I think it was the Idaho anthem. I honestly don't know. They sang a song together. And in her part of it, she was seen in a camouflaged four by four holding a gun and a Bible. Yeah, which has, you know, quite a lot of visual similarities to ISIS videos. <laughs> Very much so. Everyone noted that at the time. Yeah, uh, although, you know, it, it, there was another woman who had been featured in this, photographed herself in a similar way, a younger woman. And oh, right. People, and I forget what her name was, but people, she posted it somewhere and, and she soon became a meme. And then she actually said, I don't know why people are doing this. Um, she, right. Because it's totally yeah. different. Different flag, different holy book. That's right. Different Even God. different guns. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, you know, and one other person who kind of may not quite as nationally infamous as, as McGeehan um, is Bo Greitz. Um, he uh, was a, a guy who uh, he actually ran for president um, as an independent candidate. Um, he was another one of these uh, Utah, Idaho Mormons, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he was involved. He had his own compound, kind of, I believe, not too far away from where Randy Weaver had his. Mm -hmm. and, um, if you live and, in Idaho, you have to have a compound. Uh, yeah, apparently, mm -hmm. the, everybody's either in Boise or in a compound. So. Yeah, mine's rented. So, <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, and I think I think it's and this is a subject we'll come back to at the end, but I think, you know, part of the kind of divide for a lot of people is that because there are so many vast open areas of Idaho where just nobody's there, you can drive for maybe an hour and not see another car on the road, mm. depending on where you're at. And then at the same time, they are not, you know, if you drive a little bit further, you'll come into a, you know, modern Western city like Boise. Mm -hmm. And it can be kind of jarring, I think, to some of these people. It seems like, you know, I, it's I, I, one thing about right-wing extremism that I think people who haven't, don't have a first-hand exposure to it is that, you know, all, so much of it is psychological. Mm -hmm. um, it's not political. It's just seeing that other people have a different way of living. And it's, and it's wrong. That's right. And it's wrong. <laughs> I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of a, I mean, a large part of what you guys write about it at Wonkette is mm -hmm. sort of highlighting that type of behavior from these right-wing figures. And it's unfortunate because I'll let you speak to it, but it seems to me that the National Republican Party is basically, and not just with Trump over time, becoming ever more like these people who were like Bogreits, who were kind of laughing stocks mm -hmm. in the 90s. Somebody like him, like another Iowan, uh, Ammon Bundy, you know, is, I know, they have a constituency there. Constituency. Yeah, very much so. We've it's it's a small, radical, annoying, but strangely powerful sometimes bunch of crazies. 
Yeah. Well, and I, I mentioned Ammon Bundy. So his he comes from a whole family. Let's talk about them. You want to give the background on those guys? <laughs> well, the Bundys are uh, some Mormon fundamentalists who have a vision of the coming apocalypse. What is it? The the white horse something or other? Oh yeah, yeah. So so more there's a, a Mormon prophecy from Joseph Smith that the that the male priesthood holders of Mormonism are going to save the United States. Right. And that there will be someone who will emerge as if riding on a white horse. And he will sweep in to become the president and save America right before the destruction of the wicked. Yes, yes. And uh, Cliven was into that, and I think Ammon even more so. I, I honestly don't know the... Cliven being the father. Cliven being the father who had the uh, standoff in Nevada. And then Ammon ran the standoff in Oregon at the wildlife refuge and escaped, excuse me, escaped criminal charges in both of those. In Nevada, because the FBI completely screwed up its prosecution and didn't share I, as I recall, didn't share inf important information during discovery, so it got thrown out. And then in the Oregon case, they were all basically let off because the jury, as if you ask me, the jury just nullified the case. They didn't want to prosecute them. Yeah, which, you know, and it's funny considering how much they claim to be upset at rioting and looting by Black Lives Matter. <laughs> um, well, you know... Here's some law and order you guys could have done. And well, didn't exactly do it. <laughs> but it's still, you know, it's still okay to shoot federal cops because they're wrong. They don't have the right to, to enforce laws. And in fact, no parts of the federal, the federal government isn't allowed to have land outside of Washington, D.C. and military bases. It's a special yeah. copy of the Constitution that belongs to the Bundys. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess, yeah, that, you know, that's, those ideas kind of come out of this sovereign citizen movement. Right, right. Um, Combination of and, the sovereign citizen and the, the Sagebrush mm -hmm. Rebellion stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, and then basically they have this idea that they don't have to pay taxes as well because the United States is actually, was, as a government, was ended secret, and I always forget the year that they... I believe it was happened. with the 14th uh, Amendment in 1865, was that what it was? Okay. 67, whenever that was. Of course, it has something to do with slavery, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, we, and then the U.S. became a corporation, and we were all owned by the government until we put a uh, legal notice up that uh, we are now free persons, and we don't belong to the government anymore. And that's never held up in court, and they keep doing it year after year. Yep. But it makes a lot of money for the people who who tell you you. Can it's do. a great scam. <laughs> it is. If I didn't um, have a, if I didn't have any sense of ethics at all, I could make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you know what though. You guys do have at least one, another positive thing. A positive thing you guys are known for, which is uh, Napoleon Dynamite. That's um, true. That's true. We have the shots. <laughs> That's right, and when you know they they should have they should have said what high school Uncle Rico had his 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 football career. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as somebody who grew up in in Utah, which has a lot of the same geography and and characteristics, I was just like, oh man, this was my childhood. 
on the silver mm -hmm. screen, <laughs> at least the minus the the fundamentalist Mormonism parts. <laughs> but yeah, so all right, so with the so that's kind of I don't know, like a rogues gallery, if you will, of of famous right wing uh, Idahoans. But I guess before we get into get beyond that, though, let's I did want to mention. So we we've talked about Mormonism in the Idaho context a little bit, and it's kind of interesting for people who are not from Idaho or, or not Mormon is that Idaho kind of, it's got, uh, the, the Mormons in Idaho are kind of split with each other that, so for instance, there is the, the Brigham Young University, which most people know of is in Provo, Utah, but then there's also one in Rexburg, Idaho called Brigham Young University, Idaho, uh, formerly known as Rex College after the town and, and, or sorry, Ricks, I'm sorry, Ricks College. And Ricks slash BYUI has always been kind of like the more fundamentalist version of Brigham Young University. So like, for instance, you're not allowed to wear shorts on campus if you go to Brigham Young University, Idaho, whereas in fact, you can have the distinct pleasure of wearing shorts if you go to Provo, Utah, Brigham Young University. <laughs> Provo sounds like it's a little weak on doctrine there. Yeah, although I, 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 they've, I've never seen them where they claim what book of scripture says you can wear shorts. I don't know that one. <laughs> and and last I heard, I believe they also don't allow open-toed sandals at BYU-Idaho. As is only correct. That's right. You know, a toe cleavage. Is a <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like you, you, you go there enough and no one has ever even heard of the term toe cleavage. <laughs> but apparently it, it does exist and it's evil it's evil well that's obvious careful of it. that's right yeah so you can but, identify i grew up catholic so yeah yeah okay well so but so the thing though about yeah idaho mormons is that they're it, i they kind of you know because of the remoteness i guess maybe or who knows what it was the idaho mormons have always been a little bit weirder than the utah mormons and it's, and, and it's funny for people who have never lived in either of the states. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? How are they? <laughs> people cannot believe that there's any difference. But in fact, there is people. And if, and everybody who's watching this who's, who's from Utah, you, you can back me up on this, I'm sure. But yeah, and so, but like they've, I don't know, it's like a lot of the, the there, there's the, this fringe Mormon movement in Idaho, what they call it. It's a website called the... LDS Freedom Forum is what they call it, and oh, uh, it's full of all kinds of fringe Mormons who love Ezra Taft Benson and Clive and Bundy, and you know pretty much all these other people. Mm -hmm. And they've been very angry about, particularly lately, about COVID and vaccines, which the the mainstream LDS church has actually been very uh, positive about those mm -hmm. things. And, Utah, as you, as you mentioned in our pre-show chat, was one of the, the highest vaccinated states um, because, but yeah, I guess apparently not Idaho. Is that right? Not so much Idaho, no. It's funny because the, the mainstream Mormon pol political establishment, Butch Otter, the current governor, Brad Little, whose name isn't nearly as much fun, they tend to be pretty reasonable. And... It's bizarre, actually, just I didn't know until talking to you that I, that there is this more radical Mormon subculture here, and I didn't even notice it, although I give it a moment of 
thought, then yeah, sure, Ammon and his followers. But when I think of Idaho Mormons, I tend to think of the respectable right-wing Republicans uh, who make up one of the two major parties here, the other being the batshit lunatics from northern Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. And then like that was, yeah, it's, you know, Mormonism really is kind of the Republican Party in miniature mm-hmm. in that it's made of, you know, business people who just want to make money. It's made of people who just want to sing the hymns in church. And then it's made of people who are completely fucking nuts, uh, <laughs> who hate everyone else. <laughs> so it's diversity is what it is. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and I guess, uh, you know, the the people that are completely nuts, though, they have been really getting agitated lately with all of this, with, especially with uh, the COVID pandemic. And so... The right wing in Idaho has been growing particularly agitated because of the pandemic and vaccines and other things like that recently. But one of the other things that they've been interested in is the idea of greater Idaho. Tell us about (laughs) greater Idaho. Greater Idaho is the brainchild of this guy in Oregon named Mike McCarter, who thinks that it would be a really terrific idea for the right wing counties of Oregon, and maybe a few in Washington, to join up with Idaho and become a new state. It would be basically everything from the, anything outside the influence of the Portland and Eugene areas in Oregon would join with Idaho, and then we'd have one big right-wing state that would have basically the they, they think it would be an advantage because there wouldn't really be any change in Congress because Greater Idaho would still just have two right wing senators and Oregon would what was left of Oregon would still have its uh, Democrats. <laughs> and they've actually held non-binding referendums in something like 10 counties where it has passed which basically doesn't mean anything because the legislatures of both Idaho and Oregon would have to sign off on it. Then Congress would, and then the president would. So it's not really going to happen, but it is, it's, it's a brainchild, it's a favorite idea of some right-wing measures. They also think that it's important to prevent Boise from ever getting enough electoral power that it becomes something like Portland. So if you bring in all the right-wingers from Oregon and Washington into this one state, then there's no chance that the state capital will ever be able to outvote them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. And, and then and I'm trying to remember, I don't think they've done a vote, any votes in Washington, have they? I don't, I don't believe so. I, I haven't actually kept up with that. I do know that a few years ago in... Oh, and I guess some of them, and some people are talking about some California counties as well. Oh, right, right. Yeah, there are some people who also also want to include some of of the counties in Northern California. Basically, that would be the, this would like override the state of, what is it that they wanted to call it? Jefferson. Jefferson, yes, yes. This is an alternative to Jefferson that would be even bigger. Yeah, bigger and better. <laughs> <laughs> bigger and crazier. Uh, yeah. 
Well, oh, and but and, and if I'm and they also don't, but they're so trying to make these other counties be part of Idaho, but then also they don't seem to have a plan for paying for the governmental structures that are owned. They wouldn't need to because it would be small government and everyone would take care of Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. like the hospitals, nobody would use those. And schools, right. no one would use those. <laughs> well, it would be enough of a tax pay, uh, base to, to pay for the basics. Okay. Like, and uh, they could all homeschool. It's against Russia. Uh, I'm not against Russia, uh, against Canada, probably. Well, there is a Moscow, Idaho, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now that now that I think about it, which, and actually, they've got some great wine over there. I, I have had some <laughs> over there. It's an excellent place for wine. <laughs> yeah, and so, but it's you know, it's like, it's just like this this prolonged fantasy. That's I'm, all it is. It is never going to happen, and yet they really think it's a neat idea. So there will be there will continue to be referenda. And it will continue to do nothing. Even when they met with some right-wing members of the Idaho legislature a couple of years ago, the most that the Idaho people would say was, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, and as I understand, just this year, there was a resolution in February to discuss the idea. Mm, <laughs> well, it wasn't that. even a discussion. It was literally, can we have the discussion? Right. And they said yes. And then they Me didn't too. do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're too busy banning books and outlawing trans people. Yeah. Well, and actually, let's let's talk about that. So, yeah, books books have make, become suddenly very controversial in Idaho. As and with everywhere else. As with everywhere right. else. Yeah, the, the culture wars are running hot as ever here. In the Boise area, fortunately, it's gone fairly well. There was an attempt to oust the library board, as I recall, and it went nowhere in, not in Boise, but in nearby Nampa or Meridian. I think it was Meridian. When there was a library board meeting that one group of crazies wanted to storm, everyone else heard about it and outnumbered them 10 to 1. So at least in the same part of Idaho, libraries are safe. But in other parts of the state, there have been a couple of libraries that were shut down because there was just no more funding or no one to work at them. So yeah, it's, it's very sad. And the, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the legislature last year passed a couple of absolutely crazy bills in the House that fortunately went nowhere in the Senate because the Senate so far is still tends to have more of the the pro-business normal Republicans rather than the crazies. But but this year they they did manage to do the trans the, the transgender, excuse me, the uh, gender affirming health care ban, which is just awful. They also passed that bizarre bill uh, outlawing travel to Oregon or other states to get an abortion. Uh, So people could be put in jail, not for crossing the state line, but for traveling toward Oregon or Washington to get an abortion with a minor who wasn't their own child 
in the car. So uh, you, a parent wouldn't be arrested, but an aunt could. <laughs> and it was signed by Brad Little, who, despite being one of the more sane, uh, comparatively conservative Republicans, knows that he's got the crazies always looking for a chance to go after him. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, it's when you I mean, think about it, just compare the, the Democrats. I mean, <laughs> in Idaho, you, you said you know nothing about the Democratic politics in Idaho because you never hear from them. <laughs> Sadly, it's it's true. I mean, we uh, there are definitely Democrats who are very good, especially in the Boise area, and they do well. They have their voice in the, the legislature. And they have managed to keep some sanity in the place. But as far as being any kind of a counterweight to the crazies, I don't know what they would do, frankly, because there's just not enough of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, the the Boise metro area has about 750,000 people in um, mm-hmm. Idaho has a lot more than that mm-hmm. and but you know what though i mean i think it is it's worth pointing out that these a lot of this craziness probably does i mean you were saying that it does they're trying to counteract that they believe a lot of people have moved in into you know the the business in berkeley section of of idaho mm-hmm. and they're trying to do something to sort of disenfranchise them that, yes um, we aren't quite to the point of where was oh uh, of of Texas where they took away the elections board from the biggest county out for for Houston? Yeah, they just said no, nope, you can't have your own elections board anymore. <laughs> but you know they're thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and but I mean, I guess you know nationally, probably the the only Democrat that from Idaho that anyone had ever heard of, and and this is just barely, is Paulette Jordan who ran for governor in 2018, and I guess she ran for Senate in 2020. No idea what she's doing nowadays, though. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's it's a almost a suicide run for an, Idaho, for an Idaho Democrat to run for major office. I don't know when our last, let's see. Yeah, I, I can't recall when we last had a statewide Democrat in a major office. Hmm. I guess what Frank Church. You know? Well, uh, right, Frank Church was certainly the the last senator from Idaho. We did have a Democrat who was elected, I think, for one term after after. Boy, I don't remember. We had a one term Democrat within the last ten years in hmm. one of the two congressional districts, but lost again. You know, former. Idaho Representative Raul Labrador, who is now the state attorney general. It's it's crazy. He's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and one of the big sort of progenitors of that craziness is the Idaho Freedom Foundation, right? Um, they are very big. They said a lot of, they managed to have an outsized voice in Idaho politics, Um they were central to the protests against COVID lockdowns, 
not that we ever actually had them, against any kind of reaction to COVID, against masks, against any kind of public health orders. They and Ammon Bundy did things like protesting outside the home of a police officer who arrested someone for violating the uh, lockdown. Just nuts. There was a public burning of masks on the uh, steps of the Idaho Capitol. So that was a good use of fire and plastic. And the Freedom Foundation is, they just have all sorts of wonderful ideas about how we can make Idaho more right-wing. They have uh, an annual freedom index that tells you uh, which members of the legislature are sufficiently to the right. They're very involved in the school censorship business. And their blog, most recently, is running articles about great Americans during June because the Democrats are doing something else during June. They won't even name Pride. Oh, this is their little joke. It's called Pride in America. So they have uh, profiles of great Americans, uh, George Washington, Elon Musk, and Charles Lindbergh. The article on Charles Lindbergh talks about what a great patriot was he was and what a great aviator. Doesn't have one word about the anti-Semitism or the America firsting. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I... well he helped us stay out of World War II until it was until it was unavoidable. And then he was I a great see. patriot during the war. Nothing about his medal from Hitler. Because <laughs> 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 why would you mention that? It's, a, it's yeah, not like yeah. we have, not like there's anything wrong with being a Nazi. No, no, there is, according to them, there is not. And it's just a difference of opinion. You know, why mm-hmm. would you, why would you cancel someone for being a Nazi? Oh, right. Uh, and I guess there's, you guys also had some people trying to start up a Patriot Front group up in Coeur d'Alene that I guess they got arrested recently. Oh, right. Yeah, they, it At wasn't the that they were, were running one, but, uh, but yeah, they, they came in from all around and tried to march at a uh, pride parade last year. I'm not sure whether they were armed with anything more than, you know, clubs and, and the usual armor and, and shields, but yeah, they were certainly a nasty group and most of them were convicted. And the fun thing of course, is that now on Elon's Twitter, you'll be told that if you mention the uh, Patriot front, you'll be told, Oh wait, no, they're just an FBI front group. Yeah, I've seen people say that, and I've asked people that, and according to them, it's obvious that they are. It's just obvious they are, yeah. Because they have clean, they have clean clothes and uniforms, and that (laughs) That makes them FBI. That must be. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's like, well, hey, I guess you never heard of Mormons, but you know, and and uh, I don't know, but you know, I I have to say though, I I do still feel like though that. I mean, you know, we, we, we discussed Paulette Jordan, you know, earlier in the episode that, I mean, she did a lot better than a Democrat has for governor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in quite some time. And, and, you know, a lot of people are moving to Idaho, to the Boise area and, and Sun Valley. And I mean, you know, is this just, do these people see the writing on the wall for themselves, do you think? Well, it's hard to say. I think that... 
So far, Idaho has been lucky in having more sane people than crazies. Going back to the Aryan nations, there were certainly Nazis there, but there was also a very, very strong pushback from the Coeur d'Alene uh, community. You still see bumper stickers that say, Idaho is too great for hate. In fact, in Boise, we now have, down by the library, we have an Anne Frank memorial that was put up by people who were disgusted by the reputation that Idaho got from the Aryan nations. So I like, I, without sounding like a Pollyanna, I like to think that at some point sanity will prevail, but whee. We're going to go through some stuff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is a group out there called Reclaim Idaho. Have you you ever heard of those guys? I don't know. There's a Twitter group called the Idaho 98% that I certainly like the the name of that does what it can to oppose the, the crazies out there, or at least to point out that they are spouting nonsense. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, probably what's going to have to happen is that, you know, the it's like uh, people who live in more progressive parts of the country, I think it's hard for them to really grasp the dilemma that progressives in these reds in red states have is right. that you know, you the National Party has Why don't largely, you just move. I know, yeah. <laughs> I live That's here. Right. I'm an American. I have the right to live where I want to live, or I have to live where my job is, you know, right. or whatever it is, or right. my, where my family is, or whatever. The National Democratic Party did really, and this is part of why I'm doing this series, is that the National Democratic Party, for a brief few years when Howard Dean was the chairman, mm-hmm. actually had a 50-state strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once uh, Obama was able to come in and put his own people in, he was like, okay, you know, we don't need that. Because I, I can win without this stuff. It, mm-hmm. Let's just save our money, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's not do that. And so as a result, I mean, you know, a lot of Democrats in red states feel like no one gives a shit about mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Is that, you think that's a fair assessment? It feels that way sometimes. I don't know about missing out on national attention, but... Although that is reality. <laughs> a lot of it comes to, I think, that there was this... So there was a book that came out. It was uh, around the time that Obama first came on the scene. It was called The Emerging Democratic Majority. And the thesis of the book, people only took the first half of the thesis. <laughs> the thesis of the book was, if Democrats can take their existing electorate and then add on a new group of people who are college educated and and are you know hispanic or asian who are immigrating in then they'll have a majority mm-hmm. but they basically the national democratic party especially under hillary clinton they basically kind of lopped off that first part of keeping the existing constituency <laughs> <laughs> and they're like hey well we got we have the emerging majority here let's go for it guys we were let's put all our money into the presidential races i mean mm-hmm. I think that might be part of it also is that, you know, they were shut out. The Democrats were shut out of the presidency for for, for 12 years mm-hmm. during Reagan and Bush and uh, Bush 41. And they, I, I think to some degree, it kind of made them miss their priorities that mm-hmm. 
they took Congress for granted, but they, and so they became obsessed with the presidency and kind of lost the. I absolutely agree with that. And also the, the left has the Democrats, the left have simply fallen down on what the right was so good at going back to when I was in college, when the right was making sure that there were right-wing people running for school boards and for local county officials. And you just don't see that kind of organizational effort on the ground from Democrats. We should be doing the school boards. We need to be doing state legislatures at every level, not just every four years saying, okay, let's let's elect a president. Because we can probably do that, but without the building, the party building that goes on with the lower level efforts, you just don't have, oh God, I'm going to use a sports metaphor. You don't have a bench. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that also, and it's that you know, they're missing the, the crucial aspect of the American electoral system, which is that, you know, it's deliberately like I always hear people complain about, oh, the electoral college is unfair. The Senate is unfair. And it's like, guys, kind of been that way for more than 200 right. years. Right. <laughs> so Designed that so you can you can complain about that and you can complain about, you know, various senators not doing what you want or you can try to do something about it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and I guess to some degree, you know, the the greater Idaho fantasy of, of the Western <laughs> right wing is, it's almost like there's a left wing version of that. And that's, you know, let's, we're going to expand the Senate, we're going to have Puerto Rico as a state, and we're going to have DC as a state, and we're going to break up California, and we're going to do this and that. And it's like, okay, well, when are you going to get the power to do this? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Who's going to give it to you? Exactly. The other thing, though, about it is that, you know, so the American political system is not just, you know, the Senate's biased, obviously, and, mm -hmm. uh, for, for smaller population states. But also, you know, just the fact that, I mean, you know, people on the, on the left talk about how the presidential system should be about people rather than land, right? You, you know, you see those maps mm -hmm. of, you know, look at all this land that voted for Republicans. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that still does actually matter. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, if you- It's if, what we got. It's what? It's what we've got. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're not going to, to change that anytime soon. Yeah, well, and it's, it, it's also that, you can't like let's say you do somehow let's say there is a enough population shifting mm -hmm. such that you know the the blue states quote unquote end up to having a permanent house and presidential majority mm -hmm. going to be problematic that you're creating a country that is just so incredibly geographically polarized mm -hmm. and it's and not just for the for the sake of national unity in the that the Senate's not going to be that way, number one. Mm -hmm. And then number two, you're creating a huge problem for people who do live in urban areas like Boise or like let's say Albuquerque, New Mexico, or you know, Texas Democrats. And you, you can't just sit, wave a wand and say, Oh, well, you know, we'll have a national divorce and that's like guys, <laughs> you're literally probably, you know consigning a third of the people who you consider your political compatriots. Exactly. exactly. You're consigning them to a confederacy. 
that that's what you're going to do no thank you <laughs> yeah no, it's not that we it's it's not that we need to redo secession and let that go for we need to do reconstruction 2.0 and do it right <laughs> although how yeah. we do that i don't know <laughs> yeah well but it you, you can't start it until you start talking about it right right and that's just you know and and because i mean because that that is it's actually an opportunity when you think about it because mm -hmm. you know the, the republican party in these different states and not just the national party but at the state level you know even i mean here in california where i live i mean the republican party here is nuts like oh, yeah. they're insane like they're actually probably more insane than the national republican party mm -hmm. uh, and you know so but especially in red states where the, you know, people, the majority of people had been voting like in Idaho, I, I think mm -hmm. since the nineties for, for actually, no, since LBJ, I think he was the last Democrat to win Idaho in mm -hmm. the presidential election. You know, like, so you've had one party rule in many states in the country for decades. And what has it gotten people? You know, it hasn't, it, there's all kinds of problems and, and it, there's, you should think of that as an opportunity if you're a progressive mm -hmm. to come in and help people and say, look, you have been abandoned. Like that's, that's the thing people don't get about, about Trump and the appeal of Trump is that the reason why he has such loyalty from people is because Republicans abandoned these people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know, he doesn't really care about them, but at least he pretends to. Right, right, and they and they love. He's him. given up so much for them. <laughs> yeah, that's how they feel. But at least he's acknowledging that they exist, mm -hmm. and that's so. kind of hard to say that the national Democrats have really done that. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at where they put their ad dollars and and their campaign yeah. dollars. Yeah. Well, so we're coming up to the end here, and I think we've hopefully covered all the all the major points here and other Idahoans will have to chime in if we, if they think we missed anything, but I mean, do you have any, any parting thoughts for, for the audience as we wrap it up here? When you think about the polarization in the red States and the lunacy, remember that there is never a 100% vote in any of these red states. In Idaho, Democrats do get 20 and 30% of the vote. That's the same in other red states too. And we can't just forget the people, the, the, the progressives in the red states. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. Good point. All right. So you are... Oh, and read Wonkat. You should definitely read Wonkat.com. That's a Yes, there we yeah. go. Yes. Uh, w O N K E T T E. Yes, dot com. Uh, for those who are listening. All right. And then I guess you are, at least until it falls apart, you're on Twitter over at Dr. Zoom. That's with a K, though, not with a C. So people can follow you on there as well. Yes. All right. Marty Kelly, thanks for being on Theory of Change. Well, thank you very much. All right. So that is the program for today. I appreciate everybody for watching or reading or listening. And you can go to theoryofchange.show to get all the other episodes. And if you're a paid subscriber, you can get full access to video, audio, and transcript of all the episodes. And I do appreciate everybody who supports the show like that. We're not subsidized by billionaires or 
universities or anything like that know we're made possible by people like you. And so please do share the show as well. And if you can subscribe financially, that definitely is appreciated as well. But please do tell your friends and family about the show and what we're doing here. I do appreciate it very much. I'll see you next time.